0: This morning Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the family
1: with Packmaster, Ralph Toby Bashram D.,
2: co host Catherine Brandt,
1: and Andy Brand Bernard.
0: We'll be right back kick things off with the family.
2: Things went well on the morning show, I'm guessing?
0: No, the morning show was fine, except for, okay. like I said. Uh, well, let me run this by you guys, see if you wouldn't be frustrated as well.
2: Frustrated.
0: <clears throat> so on Friday, Let's I had to Let's deal- say
2: psychotic. Would you be psychotic over this? What? What?
0: Um, so anyway, so on Friday, I'm dealing with a couple of corporate people that just don't do their job. They don't check their work, they don't do their job, they just don't do that stuff. So all day last Friday I was dealing with their F-ups and their mistakes. The whole day on Friday I had to deal with that, <clears throat> right? So it's supposed to be my time away from the company. But anyway, I dealt with that all all Friday. So then they, they deliver my wife's birthday present yesterday but didn't bother to tell us that they had delivered it, didn't knock on the door, didn't ring the bell.
2: As a matter of fact, I had checked online (laughs) just that day, and they said it wasn't going to be delivered for another at least week or two.
0: A week (laughs) or two, but then it showed up that night.
2: Yeah, no email, nothing.
0: Uh, He did not, or they did not bring the box up to be under the covered area, because it was drizzling a little bit yesterday, if you remember. Not a lot, but a little. Didn't bother to bring it up by the front door and just set it there. They left it in the driveway. So I'm dealing with that. And I just said, why don't people finish their work anymore? I just went through this on Friday. I then sit down, and I'm going to watch Twins Classics. Your Minnesota Twins. I want to watch a little baseball.
2: Yeah. Right? Tis the season.
0: Tis the season. But uh, they, they ran the 1980, October 14th. 1987, I think it was Game 6 of the World Series. I believe that's the one, the Minnesota Twins and the St. Louis Cardinals, right? So I'm going to watch it. Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, Tim Laudner, Roy Smalley, Gary Gaetti. The
2: great team.
0: All the great team. You know, Bernanski, that a-hole. But anyway, <laughs> moving forward from there, I look at the descriptor. Now, this is an international show uh, because digital goes around the world. You can watch Hulu in any country in the world, can't you, pretty much? Well, probably not China. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, have, their they own have a Hulu
2: version. <laughs> <Probably.
0: clears throat> They've got the Huawei or whatever it's called. Wait, wait. <laughs> Huawei? Yeah. Huawei, that's what
4: it's it, called. Well, that's something else, but yeah.
0: So I'm just, finally I can just watch a Twins game and not be annoyed by somebody <laughs> else's incompetence for once. I turn on the screen and it says, Twins Classics October 14th, 1987 the World Series between the St. Louis, this is on Twins Classics now, remember. The 1987 World Series between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> now, first of all, um, check your work. You put up the wrong team, uh, check your work twice because both those teams, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers, are National League baseball teams. It is not possible for them to play in the World Series because they're both National League teams. Why don't people ever check their work anymore? Why?
2: Okay. So you have been complaining about this. Forever. Violently for like at least 10 years. Yeah, at least, So I guess what it is, it's just the new normal. And you're just going to either have to deal with it or be constantly angry. Which is better for your health?
0: We need to bring back consequences. And Where? If you deliver the thing and dump it in my driveway, and then I see you, I get to punch you right in the goddamn nose. Isn't going
2: to happen. Why not? Well,
1: well, you're so unreasonable, Catherine.
0: Yeah, Catherine. <laughs> how many
2: because times you're going to end up in jail, and, no, that, I'm and not. it will be the poor, downtrodden delivery <laughs> dr- yeah, driver true. True. that, you how, know. How
1: many times do I have to say this? <clears throat> Tom, you're a saint for living with us. An I am. An absolute saint.
2: So I'm you. trying to keep him out of jail, okay?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, your altruism Oh me. Your altruism <laughs> underwhelms, <laughs> me. Trying altruism to keep underwhelms him. me.
2: And out of the psycho house because uh, he seriously was pissed off about it for three hours.
0: I really would be too. Me. Well, that's well, they a long
2: time to hold on to. They could have something.
0: stolen your birthday present easily I looked and on, he did nothing to prevent that.
2: Well, that's not true because if I never got the package, I wouldn't. I would not pay, I would figure, I would fight it through my credit card company or something. I mean, it was through Costco, so Costco should stand behind their delivery people. Yeah, I would agree. If somebody took it...
0: Would you ever think of doing that to somebody? Because I couldn't do that. What? I couldn't just dump somebody's package in the driveway and leave. Well, I couldn't do that.
2: You're not a delivery guy.
0: I would bring it up under the covered area in front of the front door. I would knock on the door, ring the bell. Nobody answers. There's nothing I can do about it. I have to leave it there.
2: I don't know. I've had delivery guys <clears> that <throat> are great. They, you know, yeah, If, if yep. you see them, they'll be like, hey, where do you want me to bring it? I'll bring right, it in for you. Right. Some of, And some of them are like, no, I'm only paid to do this. Or our insurance only allows us to drop it on the curb. Who knows if that's true or not. But, you know, it's just you're never going to get great workers to do all jobs. I don't know why. It's your job, because you get
0: paid for that. Probably
2: a delivery guy, it might be a temporary job.
0: You're still getting paid to do it, so do your job.
2: They probably feel like they're not getting paid enough to do well, the then job. quit
0: and get another job.
1: And that's the that you know, in in Japan, uh, the the philosophy of work is all work is honorable and you're respected there for you working. All I work is honorable. I agree with that. In America, all work isn't honorable. Some is, is you know, yeah. the honorableness, if, that, if that's a word, is based on how much you get paid. Well, and
4: Japan if, is a like a community, yeah. and America is a country of individuals. Yeah. So there's a lot of. Yes, it's it's a different different philosophy. It's a right, whole different philosophy. Your whole life, whole different that's
1: philosophy, true. and that's that's why that and so people get angry. <coughs> They're not getting paid enough for doing some job that they they look at as being menial. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and
2: mean, you, I we also look at like Amazon, where uh, what's his face is going to be the first trillionaire if he is Bezos. not Bezos is already a trillionaire, and his workers aren't getting paid. You know, health insurance. They've got bad working conditions. It's like it kind of does feel like. This guy's a trillionaire and I can't get
0: I insurance. asked about that, by the way. I said, Why is Jeff Bezos such an ardent Democrat? Of a guy who used to work with him, actually. <clears throat> and you know what he told me?
2: Is it because he takes <clears throat> advantage of the postal system? Uh, and and he also, pays also pays off loves somebody?
0: illegal immigrants to work. Mm-hmm. He loves that. Oh, well, yeah. Because you he... don't have to pay him anything. I know. So he can become a trillionaire by feeding off of people who are desperate. That's how it's been for decades. But see,
2: that's the God. whole thing. But, but people are now so much more aware of this, probably because yeah. of social media. I hope so. I mean, that, to me, how do you go to sleep at night with a trillion dollars in I your know. pocket when your people are, you know, not having a living wage? Sociopaths I don't get that.
4: don't care. He's probably a functional sociopath. Yeah. You mean like a most presidents? <coughs> uh oh. Honestly, I mean, oh, oh, I would not doubt ah. that most presidents yeah. are pretty high on the psychopathy. Oh, index. there's no question about
1: that. You know, I think you look at it at like corporate. You look at it like corporate feudalism.
0: <coughs> yeah,
1: you well. have this. You have all these people working for them, and they kind of own the property, own right? The property, Absolutely. which is the the trademark. Right. They own that property, and all these people are working uh, at you know whatever wage. Mm-hmm. So certainly, they're not starving, but they're not you know, they're not getting a wage that you'd think. man, a trillion dollars. You know, it doesn't take too many billion. Maybe you could knock off you know two billion of that, and you know you know set up a fund and just you know pay the people better. Yeah, I, well, I agree see.
0: with you. So you'd set aside $100, $200 dollars to do that. So what, you, what you'll and see. You'd
4: still have well, another
2: billion. thing too is if if they gave them health care. Um, they wouldn't they be able to write that off as an expense on top of it? I don't really know how that works. I think oh, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, well, he doesn't
0: pay any taxes. Yeah, that's, that's that's. And they that's, don't pay
2: taxes on doesn't top of any it. not
0: pay taxes on it either.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, something's going on. That people so. get paid off. Things that's what people are mad about. And maybe the truck driver <clears throat> just is sick of this shit. We live in a
1: townhouse. I town don't know. I'm to move over a little I'm bit just here. Oh, she, she came out of her chair, Tom. She came out I of her chair she across
4: it, t- the I'm, table at you. Well, every,
2: every time I order something on Amazon, I hate myself a little more. I
4: know. I know. <laughs> I know. So, I've, ordered, I've been I, ordering a lot fewer things on Amazon. I know. I, like I try like, to do
2: Target too. because they're, yeah. you know. And Walmart.
1: Walmart
4: is
2: Walmart. I don't do because I don't think Walmart pays their people all that well. I have bought
4: one thing in my entire life from Walmart. Oh, wait. Well, as of our honeymoon, a couple things because Walmart is literally the only place within like 200 miles of where we went. But before that, I bought one thing from Walmart in my life, and that is cinnamon Pepsi. Cinnamon (laughs) Pepsi. Because they're the only ones that had it. Didn't you hate it? It was gross. Yeah.
2: Didn't Walmart like try to go up against Amazon? Kind of. Well, they they tried. Wasn't that what was that called? What was that called? Jet. Was it Jet? I think it was Jet. jet. But if
1: you if you search for something on the internet, for a product on the internet, Walmart's um, Walmart's um, service will come up. Walmart's delivery service, virtual service, will come up. Yep. Their store comes up. So, so they are entering into that, and they're just trying to. They are trying to compete with Mm -hmm. uh, Amazon, but you know. It's the, the, the unions are going to come in, and the, the, if they unionize uh, Amazon, boom, problem solved.
0: This could be very cool. We'll take a break coming right back on the other side of the break. Steve, Sto- uh, Steve Stolier, raised eyebrows, my years inside Groucho's house. Nice. I'm going to love this.
2: Oh, I thought you were talking about Nancy Pelosi
0: that too yeah there's a of about six feet now so that'd be good in any case we'll be back steve Stillier with us next the to family tom Bernard with my buddy and ceo of north american banking company michael bilsky tell me michael we've been talking about north american banking company for a few years now one thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated well how does that benefit your customer
1: tommy projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life, where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action,
0: and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect? (laughs) Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience... You can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet. With LASIK at Whiting Clinic,
3: LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential.
2: Excuse me,
0: ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Our very special guest, Steve Stolier. The book is called "Raised Eyebrows: My Years Inside Groucho's House." I have to warn you up front, Steve. You're being interviewed by a guy who's jealous sad, everything I could possibly be because, my God, being around Groucho, what a dream come
3: true. You know, one of the best compliments I get uh, when people who read the book is, I hate you.
2: <laughs>
3: I, I would hate me, too, uh, if I met me and hadn't gone through that experience because <laughs> at the time I was like the world's biggest Groucho fanatic and all I ever wanted to do was shake his hand and thank him Mm -hmm. and instead I got pulled into this remarkable atmosphere where I worked for him inside his house the last three years of his life and was able to spend countless hours of quality time talking with him and meeting his friends and people he worked with in the 30s and 40s and it just uh, I never took any of it for granted. It never got uh, pedestrian for me. So uh, I I accept your envy (laughs) and jealousness (laughs) and the spirit in which it was given.
0: Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. I am one of those guys, as a matter of fact, Andy was the one that uh, called you on the, uh, just a couple of minutes ago to put you on the air. Andy is our son. My wife is here uh, and family, close uh-huh. family friend with us, Dr. Basham, as well. We just watched uh, Laurel and Hardy's The Music Box of Way Out West. I'm sorry, Steve, but you cannot beat that comedy of the Groucho Marx, Laurel and Hardy era. You can't do it.
3: No. And it's funny you mentioned Laurel and Hardy. Well, first of all, Groucho toured with them Right. In 1942, on the Hollywood Victory Caravan, which was a bond-selling drive, they, they were on a big train crossing America, and uh, he liked Laurel and Hardy personally. And then as an example of why people mistakenly think every, every celebrity knows every other celebrity and everything about right. them, Groucho was once uh, pulled over for speeding, and the the cop recognized him and said, let me ask you a question. Why aren't there more Laurel and Hardy movies on TV? <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I guess insulting that he wasn't saying why aren't there more Marx for movies, but the idea that because he was Groucho Marx, he would know why there aren't more Laurel and Hardy movies. Sure, absolutely. But yes, the stuff holds up well, I think, after all these years. Except uh, you run into the politically correct crowd that have sort of retroactive political correctness <clears throat> where they say, Why does Groucho have to ogle those attractive women? Oh. And uh, I don't know. I, it's just it's inappropriate, some of the, that awful word, inappropriate. Yes. But for those that can get past that and having black porters on trains and Jewish pawnbrokers and all those uh ethnic caricatures that were just a staple of entertainment for a century. Uh I think the stuff stays remarkably fresh. And in the case of the Marx brothers, I think it was a really seamless blend of of really intelligent verbal comedy when you have people along the lines of George S. Kaufman and S. J. Perelman writing your material and then just the physicality there's you know harpo's pantomime and things like uh wallpapering esther muir (laughs) into the wall with you have this you know broad physical comedy uh and then this really clever clever stuff that separates them from you know the three stooges or the Ritz brothers yeah and i think a lot of it stays really fresh after all this time
0: Steve, I will tell you something. I was a little boy the first time I ever saw it. Margaret Dumont was in a lot of Marx Brothers films. Yeah. And she was at, uh, Groucho was a doctor in this particular feature. And uh, she says to Groucho, I'm not feeling all that well. And he goes, here, take this pill. She goes, why, that's a rather large pill. And he says, well, you're a rather large pill yourself. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> to this
0: day, well, it makes me laugh. <clears throat>
3: It was a veterinarian in A Day at the Races who's called in to save the sanatorium that's run by Margaret Dumont. And Wonderful. The bad guys are skeptical of his credentials. <laughs> but, uh, yeah.
0: It's brilliant stuff. The stories. Is it true, Steve, yes. that Groucho and his brothers went to Jack Warner's office for a meeting? He wasn't there, so they started a fire in his office?
3: Uh, Irving Thalberg. Oh, is that who it
0: was? Irving yes. Thalberg. Okay
3: yeah you know the 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 <laughs> character of the marx brothers on screen is that they're irreverent and they poke fun at stuffiness and formality and Salberg was a very serious man and he was he was very strict about the money and time and all this stuff but and the Marx brothers just felt like uh you know, we don't like to be kept waiting this long. We don't care who he is. We were big Broadway stars, and we were big stars at Paramount. So so uh, when he wasn't in his office, they went into his office and locked the door and roasted potatoes in his fireplace naked. <laughs> <laughs> he finally showed up again, and you know, to his credit, he appreciated the length they went to make their point and he didn't keep them waiting again. <coughs> well, they would, You know, people don't do practical jokes like that anymore because I guess, you know, they end up being fired or sued or it's frowned upon or something, but it's always wonderful hearing these stories that people would do these outlandish things to make a point, and that was certainly true of the Marx Brothers.
0: Steve, I'm sure you get asked the same questions a lot, but, but because they're so important in everyone's life, I, sure. I guess, that... How did Groucho get away with saying things on TV that nobody else would have gotten away with?
3: I think because they weren't malevolent. Uh, he wasn't quite like Rickles, just, you know, tearing people apart and right. attacking their appearance and all that. Plus, you know, there was the smile and, and the, uh, the cigar and the wiggling eyebrows. And uh, I, I think they liked him going into it. They knew him from the film, yeah. And so they appreciated it. Um, and it was never really—it was never mean spirited, and it certainly was never uh, outrageous. I mean, if he said something that was at all questionable, it hit the cutting room floor before the the thing aired. So you didn't really see anything heavy-duty, and people liked him, which I think goes a long yeah. way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Steve, it, it, did, did it reach the air, the woman with the, I believe, eight children, when he referred to his cigar? Did that uh, make the
3: air? That, you know, it's an interesting story that, that I'll try to tell briefly. It did and it didn't happen. It <laughs> happened? How's that? <clears throat> yes and no. Uh, it when in the first season, when it was only on radio forty seven he had a- fa- uh, a woman on uh, Mrs. Story from Bakersfield, California. This was told to me by Bernie Smith, who was the show 's head writer okay. and actually kept a log of all of the contestants, all the secret words, and how much money they won over the twelve years the show ran and she said she had 12 children and Groucho said why do you have so many children and she said well i believe it, it's our purpose on uh, god's purpose on this earth is to have children and i love my husband and he said well i take it i like my love my cigar too but i take it out of my mouth once in a while <laughs> now, that got a blast of laughter from the studio yeah. Audience. Oh, yeah. yeah, but of course it never aired on radio uh, but word of it got out so you get a lot of people who say, I'll never forget that I remember sitting there watching that, yep. it's like, yep. you either have come to believe you remember it, or you've heard it so often, mm-hmm. the same thing with uh, Dr. Rodale dying on the Dick Cavett show, Right, it never aired, but people say I'm, oh my god, I was sitting there it's like, no, you're either lying <laughs> or you've come to believe it. So the same thing with the cigar thing. People will say it's apocryphal. And it's like, well, it's in the sense that it wasn't on television and didn't air, it's apocryphal. But it was uttered and remembered but never saved in 1947. So that's the short answer to your question. Did but they, I, yeah, it's wonderful.
2: Did they ever break up or have... Big studio problems, like it seems like everybody did back in those days, or still do. But
3: uh, breakup? You mean amongst themselves? Yeah. Did anybody say
2: I'm going to be the star and go off and be? No.
3: That you know, it was interesting. They really, they didn't have ego problems that way. However, Chico, and that's the correct pronunci- of his pronunciation of his name, because
2: he huh. chased
3: huh. chicks <laughs> and uh. a great many of them. He's wonderful. He used to say. To his wife used to say, honey, they're just mistaking me for Harpo because they look similar without their wigs. Uh-huh. Oh. And then uh, he, w- he and his wife were waiting for an elevator and the door opened, and a woman came out and, and stuck her finger in Chico's cheek and said, hi, Chicky Wicky. <laughs> and after she left, <coughs> Betty Marks said, uh, don't tell me she thought you were Harpo. <laughs> anyway, he was a compulsive womanizer and a compulsive gambler. Oh. I mean, it really was like an illness with him. He would he would throw away good cards in a game just to make it more interesting. He would bet someone $100 which of two raindrops would reach the bottom of a taxicab window. <laughs> so he, he would go through all his money and Harpo and and groucher would have to bail him out so that was a frustration it was sort of an ongoing problem with chico but there was never acrimony like i'm sick of working with you or you, you right putting mm-hmm. us through this i think it was i think when they did break up it was just like they got tired of doing the same thing over and over again um I know Groucho said when he was doing A Night in Casablanca in 1946, he's already 55 or 56, and Chico and Groucho, Chico and Harpo were older than him. And he was uh, hanging from an airplane, and he just thought, there's got to be a better way to make a living. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Steve, uh, I I have a question. When Harpo went Mm -hmm. on, uh, they would tour um, Vegas and different clubs and do music and comedy. And then Groucho wisely got rid of the grease-paint mustache and grew his own, and that's when the whole second career of You Bet Your Life took over. So it was never an acrimonious thing. It was just like facing the music.
0: That makes total. Steve, do you you have a few more minutes? Uh, Because our our, our time has run to an end, but we'd
3: love
0: love to hold on if we could. Sure. All right, we'll be back in like two minutes more with Steve Stolier. Is it pronounced Stolier?
3: It is. I was ready to correct you, but you got it right, and I had nothing to say. A rare <laughs> I nothing to,
0: Well, I have nothing to say. We'll uh, <clears throat> <laughs> be right back. We'll <laughs> be right back with the paper. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble free, energy efficient furnace from Sabre. guess this one's got a bit of buildup. Yeah, apparently it's a buildup. Steve Stolier, our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Steve, we've uh – During the break there, we're sitting here talking about the Marx Brothers, we're talking about Laurel and Hardy, then we started talking about the Three Stooges. Mm -hmm. I do hate you.
3: I want you to know that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Again, I accept your hate in the spirit in which it is hurled (laughs) at me.
2: Best possible way.
3: What a
0: great life. So this segment, if you have a few minutes, I'd like to hear about your experiences. And thank you so much for being patient with us about talking about, because... We're obviously huge fans, and it's very exciting to talk to anybody about Groucho Marx. Believe oh, me.
3: it's my pleasure. Believe me, I've got I got the whole spectrum of people's familiarity with the Marx brothers, uh, doing various radio shows and podcasts and so on. And initially, the publicist would just say, "You're going to be on in uh, in Cleveland and at 4:30 a.m. your time," and uh-huh. I would set my alarm and get up. And you never quite knew what the level of familiarity was and i remember one guy and i swear he was serious he said now let me ask you this which was the brother that played the harp (laughs) and i wanted Mm. to say take a wild guess (laughs) i I was civil and explained the the names and all that so uh, it's a pleasure to talk to someone that that uh, loves and appreciates the Marx Brothers as we now rocket well into the 21st century. That was something else that, uh, you know, Groucho was born in 1890, so he was literally a Victorian. (laughs) Uh, I mean, she was was on the throne for another 11 years. Uh, They were all born in New York. But I came to appreciate Groucho not just because he was that man, the one with Margaret Dumont and Selma mm-hmm. Todd and, and all that cavorting, but he was this man from 1890 whose firsthand memories went from before the Wright brothers to after the moon landing, Jeez. which is just a staggering chunk yeah. of American history. I said to him once, uh, how far back do you remember? And he saw it a moment, and he said, I guess the Spanish-American War. <laughs> well. 98.
0: Probably true. Even
3: you know, As you might know, the Marx Brothers started off as a singing act mm-hmm. before they threw comedy into it. And Groucho actually was on the bill at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York. Uh same bill as Enrico Caruso. God. And God. it was to raise money to help the victims of the San Francisco earthquake of 1906. Wow. He was 16. So, and it, I mean, he was this living link to the 19th century, plus knowing so many immortals personally. I mean, as friends, George Gershwin and Irving Berlin and James Thurber, and wc fields and you know that, that he you know we think of them in, in black and white and two-dimensional but he knew them as people to hang out with so it was just you know i was 20 years old uh and just a huge marks fan and i got the job by starting a petition drive at ucla where i was going to college to put pressure on Universal to re-release Animal Crackers, which was caught in a legal snag. Oh. And they didn't think there was any reason to spend money on an old black-and-white movie. But all my friends were Marx fanatics, and it was the great missing link in their canon. I mean, we, now we just punch a button, and there you can see whatever you want from YouTube <coughs> or streaming or something. But back right. then, no one had seen Animal Crackers in decades. And uh, Groucho came to UCLA to uh, help us with our, I said, Groucho, I am very happy to be meeting you after all this time. And he said, well, you should be. (laughs) (laughs) Love him. Aaron Fleming, who was this woman that was like in charge of his life at the time, said, this is Steve Stoliar. He's trying to get animal crackers re-released. And Groucho said, did you get it? And I said, not yet, but we're working on it. He said, well, you better, or I'll fire you. Well. I didn't even realize I was working for you. <laughs> and he said, a little less than nothing. <laughs> a little less. I, I like, had to keep pinching myself that I'm sitting there surrounded by students and the press, the cameras, uh, talking about this 1930 film of theirs and realizing that i'm sitting with my idol and uh universal finally relented and put the film out and it broke the box office record at the ua westwood that had been set by the french connection several years earlier it was extremely Mm -hmm. gratifying to see a long line of people in westwood waiting to see this old marx brothers movie and then i was rewarded with this plum job of working in groucho's house handling his fan mail and correspondence and organizing all of his memorabilia to be later donated to the smithsonian so i was like ankle deep in, yeah. in personal photos and vaudeville stuff and annotated <laughs> scripts and letters and just an amazing amazing experience to go through at that age and meeting Bob Hope and Mae West and SJ Perelman and Steve Allen and Jack Lemmon and Zeppo and Gum Zeppo and I dated the same girl <laughs> She was 19, I was 20, and he was 74. <laughs>
2: so
3: it was a pay December of the following year. <laughs> like exactly. Two December. But I little. have that distinction of saying Zeppo, Marx and I dated the same girl.
0: <laughs> I think it's magnificent. I, I, uh, I tell you, Steve, one of the great memories I have of being, I guess, probably in my teens, late teens, early 20s, is watching Groucho Marx. Wearing the same hat, go on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Those were some of the greatest TV moments ever.
3: Right. Carson and also the Dick Cavett show. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It was wonderful.
3: It's so great that they're available now, either on YouTube or or DVD. Uh, Again, as I say now, all you have to do is press a button and you could see them. Yeah. But it really, yeah, it was wonderful. It was Groucho in his 70s you know, without any real worries, comfortably set, just sitting there conversing in front of adoring audiences. Huge audiences, as a matter of fact.
2: So they were set. They didn't have big, you know, you hear big problems with people stealing their money or the studios well, didn't pay them. Harpo,
3: Groucho and Harpo were okay, but Chico Chico died in 61, And he really, he went through everything, as quickly as he got the money, he went through it. So the others were bailing him out. Mm. And Zeppo kind of picked up where Chico left off in terms of gambling and womanizing. Uh, He, he at one point, was married to Barbara, who divorced him for Frank Sinatra.
0: Oh, Barbara,
3: yeah, the very famous Barbara. In Palm Springs, where Zeppo and Barbara were living. So she dumped him for Sinatra. Well, well, then he dumped her for uh, what's her face?
0: Uh, what the who
2: Sinatra did?
0: did? Yeah, you know, who was he married to again? The young, much younger uh, woman. I don't who oh did? Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow. That years yeah, earlier. that was years earlier. though, That's right. Steve Solier, ladies and gentlemen, uh, S-T-O-L-I-A-R. Steve Solier. The book is called Raised Eyebrows. My years inside Groucho's Har- uh, house. Dr. House. not yeah. hearth.
3: That would have. Uh,
0: that was me. <laughs> That was me. He's in my heart. You're in my heart now, too, Steve. <laughs> okay. Raised eyebrows, my ears inside Groucho's house. Steve Stolier S-T-O-L-I-A-R. You can get the book everywhere, particularly on Amazon, obviously. Steve, we got to have you back on again. We need to talk comedy more often.
3: It was my pleasure. I'd be happy to ramble on about whatever you like, Tom.
0: You're a good good man. And I don't hate you. I love you, Steve. I just want you to know I love you, (laughs) Tom. Now
3: you've ruined it. You've spoiled it. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, sir. Have a good day.
0: Bye. All right. Bye-bye.